0: Welcome to In It 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 Together. Together. I'm Jay.
1: And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective.
0: Hello, hello.
1: Hello. How are you today?
0: Doing good. Excited, actually. We got through a lot of stuff in that last podcast.
1: We did.
0: So we, we talked a lot about narcissism, and I think we need to revisit that. But we wanted to kind of, uh, I don't know, change gears a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean that's such a large topic, so we can always come back.
0: But I wanted to bring that up really quickly because you said that you had actually spoke to someone, mm-hmm. at, an admitted narcissist, through Correct. TikTok, and that hopefully we'd be getting an interview. So it'd be interested. I'm excited about that. Interesting yeah, I know. to to be able to talk to someone that not only identifies as a narcissist but is like he's been clinically
1: yeah he said he's he's been clinically diagnosed with NPD and if I ever wanted to pick the brain of a male narcissist he was all in for it so I thought that was pretty interesting I
0: think that's very interesting I'd love to you know because I we left off on in the last episode you know with my belief that there is hope for Mm -hmm. narcissism we'll see if that pans out once we interview this so it's exciting to know that we might have a guest speaker yeah i'm hoping i'm I'm just excited for that yeah i think that's gonna be really cool yeah i'm hoping we can pick his brain and see where he you know where he falls on a lot of things that we talked about right yeah absolutely so switching gears a little bit we wanted to talk about a little bit about codependency yeah
1: codependency
0: That put that puts you on the hot seat a little bit because yeah, you're, you're getting
1: the, toasty already <laughs>
0: yeah you're the kind of you're, you're the you're the one that has that struggle right yeah so let's start off with just let's define what codependency is
1: well you know it's an excessive emotional reliance on another person so it can be your partner a family member and it's usually a response to trauma so you're excessively relying on somebody else to make decisions for you, to value you, et cetera.
0: So to be specific, like what are the signs for codependency? If if one of our listeners thinks they're struggling with codependency, or maybe, you know, they're they've had that question, right? Am I codependent? Or maybe they're mm-hmm. not maybe they won't they won't even realize they're codependent until they see the signs, exactly. right? So what are the signs?
1: Did you want me to go through all of them or do one by one in case you have questions?
0: I think it's best if you can go one by one, because I you know, I might put you on the spot and ask for examples.
1: Okay. So the biggest one is feeling overly responsible for others and their happiness and how they feel.
0: So that's a good one to, to ask for an example of.
1: Um, so you see somebody sad, all right? And, and I've done this to you so many times. I see you're sad about something, you're angry about something. And when I 100% know I had nothing to do with it. And I want to try to fix it. And I'm trying to like, okay, he said, I got to do something about this. You know, I I have to take this on my shoulders. I need to fix. Because remember, someone who's codependent bases their value off of what they do for people. So, you know, you're looking for problems that aren't yours to fix.
0: Now, that's interesting because it's like you're a very empathetic person. Wouldn't 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 someone that's just very empathetic uh, naturally start to do that?
1: Well, being an empath in part you have to have really tight boundaries because yes, you can find yourself in circumstances like that. Being codependent, I think you'll find more so in empath. So I kind of think they're pretty connected. Although there's an unhealthy place when you're in codependency because you're doing it so that someone appreciates you and and loves you.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Well, you don't, so what you're saying is you you don't necessarily have to be um, codependent if you're empathetic. Mm Mm-hmm. But it does. Yeah. It, it, it There's a huge difference a
1: between like you see one of your friends make, man, they're having a bad day today. I'm going to go drop them off a coffee. That's one thing. You know, you're, you're empathetic. You're sympathetic for that person's situation. But when you're codependent, you're it's not like that at all. It's like if they're not happy or that coffee didn't do something, I mean, you failed at that. All of a sudden it becomes your sadness and your pain and something that you have to deal with that's the difference
0: yeah that's where i wanted you to get to because i, I, I think, figured that after I think, you
1: asked me that question i think that's
0: that's the key there right it's it's that their pain or whatever their struggle mm-hmm. is becomes yours right and somehow you're it, it's your problem to fix right so that's that's yeah. a big difference so what's the next sign
1: <laughs> oh man i'm in the hot seat sensitive to criticism
0: yeah boy does that hit you like perfectly dead on
1: yeah. And, and really, you know, being sensitive to criticism, because remember, if we're basing our value off of what we do for other people and someone that we are constantly doing things for and seeking that self-validation is critical of something we do, we therefore internalize that as we are worthless. Again, again, a result from trauma.
0: Yeah. And again, there's a, there's a there's a distinction here, right? Because everyone is for the most part, no one likes to be criticized. Let's be honest, right? So you know, no, so, but it
1: could be constructive feedback, and you're like, "What?"
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's that was kind of the point, right? So it's it's not just someone putting you down or, or criticizing, because again, not most people do not like to be criticized. No, um, and there's nothing wrong with with you know getting uh having a reaction to being criticized, right? Exactly. Like when it's not even it's, all that critical yeah. or it's when that taking, criticism
1: all of a sudden dictates your self-worth just because you do something wrong and you and, you, and someone's critical of what you did it doesn't mean that you're any less worthy and that's the difference too
0: exactly it, it's the difference between someone saying oh you're not smart and then i'm saying oh well you know w- w- what i did wasn't smart maybe and then someone saying oh you know i'm the dumbest person in the world
1: right yeah, no.
0: Where, what's the next sign you want to <laughs> Okay,
1: page? saying yes when you want to say no. We often, when you're a codependent, and again, you can relapse in, in, in codependency, I, you, know, you can fall back into old behavior. So when you are a codependent, you're constantly saying yes to things you want to say no to. Because what happens? When you say no, you feel shame, you feel guilt, you feel like you're going to hurt someone's feelings. And then what happens? Because we feel responsible for somebody else's feelings, then we're to blame for how that person feels. Saying no is one of the hardest things because you don't want to make somebody upset because then that means that, again, it's a reflection of your value. Again, all irrational, but that's where that comes from.
0: And I know self-esteem also plays a huge role in this whole. Yes,
1: because your self-esteem isn't based upon what you think of yourself. There's no self-esteem. There's outer esteem. I mean, it's what somebody else thinks of you. That's where your value comes from.
0: Huh. And, well, you can speak a little bit more on that because you have some, you know, I know I've heard these stories millions of times. You you have some stories from your childhood about being a people pleaser. and, and Oh, yeah. And, and
1: People pleasing. That's actually another uh, thing that we can talk about. But now we can kind of combine it. When I was younger, I was called a gopher. Courtney, go for this, go for that. And it was funny. It was like something hilarious within the family. Oh, look, it's the gopher because I always did what everybody wanted me to do. And I did that primarily because I was ignored. My emotional needs and psychological needs weren't met. So yes, I was the gopher and damn right I was going to do anything anybody asked me to do because then I was a people pleaser and then people were going to like me. And if people liked me, it meant that I was a good person.
0: And that ties into what you were saying about self-esteem. And that's kind of why I brought that up. Exactly what you said, right? It's, it's not even self-esteem. It's mm-hmm. like it's an outer esteem, right? Cause yeah. You're, you're judging your value based on the people around yes. you. Acts and
1: of kindness. We're considered service workers, really.
0: And what What other signs could you think you could give being, out? Or? Being
1: dishonest about how you feel about something. You know, not wanting to argue with somebody, not wanting to say something that could make somebody upset, not expressing your own feelings. You know, when someone says, hey, you're upset about something. And all of a sudden, you know, this happens to me like every day. I I automatically feel triggered that someone's upset with me. Okay, here we go with that. And then it's probably best that I just say, no, I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm okay. And then hoping that that uncomfortableness goes away, but learning to say, yeah, I'm upset about that. And I don't like that. Even if the outcome doesn't turn out to be anything positive, you should still validate and be honest about how you feel because your feelings do matter, but not with codependency.
0: So those are, you know, just a handful of the different signs of codependency. I'm sure there's, there's others. Oh,
1: there's a ton, but those are the biggest ones.
0: So how do you? Uh, well, I guess that goes right into the next question, right? So if if you got if the listeners out there, right, can find can attribute some of those mm-hmm. you know attributes to themselves, or maybe you are listening and you're saying, oh my god, that's me. To a in a nutshell, right? And am, am I codependent? What, what what can they do to start the change process? I guess.
1: Well, the first thing is, is educate yourself on what codependency is. You know, do some psychoeducation, look into it, and make note of. Any specific behaviors that you do, and write them down. That's the first thing because you need to be aware and you need to educate yourself on what it is. So that I, that would be the first thing that I would do.
0: In TikTok, you you've mm-hmm. you're dealing with people that are, you know have codependency issues, and you've dealt with or, or you know mentored some people, right? So let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, this is what I. There was a, a woman that I adore, and I actually made a video for her based on this, and I told her, you know. Identify everything that's kind of going on. I told her to get a book. There's a book that I recommended, which was Codependency No More by Melody Beattie. It's great. Help outline why people do what they do, why codependents are the way that they are. And I told her the first step is really writing things down. And then after that, pick the one out of everything that you manifest that seems to interrupt your life the most. So for most people, it is people-pleasing. Okay, so I'm going to stop people pleasing and you just focus on that one thing. And then every time you end up finding yourself people pleasing because it's going to happen, you write it down. You write down what happened, how you felt, what could have been done differently. And then you keep working on that one thing. You cannot work on every single aspect of codependency at once. You'll get overwhelmed. That's exactly what I told her to do. And she's doing it. I mean, I still have to do it.
0: Yeah. Identifying the, the traits recognizing when you are and then uh like yeah. like you said right getting books and just uh, yeah educating yourself on the the different aspects and, and 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 working through that so talk to the talk to our listeners about like what you personally do and
1: one of the biggest things that um was tough for me was always getting involved in other people's problems or business it caused me a lot of issues and it caused a lot of uh, upsetness in, in certain relationships. And a lot of relationships ended because of my inability to keep my freaking nose out of businesses where it, it just didn't belong. And how I worked through that was sitting with something. So if someone reached out to me and someone had a problem, I would o- always wanna fix it for them. Let me figure it out for you. And I'd mentor them and I'd give them all this information that they didn't freaking ask for. They were just bitching. So I learned to sit with that person's problem sent to me and not do anything. You know, and and I practice this even with some of my good friends unless they ask you. And that's really tough for me to do. Like I try not to give my advice, I try not to put my nose where it doesn't belong, sit with it. Expose yourself to what makes you anxious because it's just a form of anxiety. That's all that you're doing there. You're trying to fulfill this little anxious need in yourself to feel validated. So in those moments, I just I sit there with it and I say, this is not my problem. This is not my problem. And I just say it over and over until I realize it's not my problem.
0: Well, that's interesting. Now, in terms of criticism, like accepting criticism, because that's like, uh, a, that's still something that we... That happened today. Yeah, we, we kind of struggle with, right? How, how do you deal with that? Or what's, what's your plan moving forward? Yeah. For that? I'm
1: going to say, um, I have not overcome this. Hi, everybody. My name is Courtney, and I struggle with taking criticism. And I'm better with it, though, in the aftermath. So what I have to continue to remind myself, because you can be very critical of me, and let's be real, and I have to understand that you're not being critical of my value as a person, as my partnership, as your wife, as my being as a woman and a mother. You're being critical of my act in that moment, my behavior in that moment. And I have to remind myself that I am not my criticism. I am not that. I'm so much more than that. And because I'm so much more than that, I need to hear this so that I can continue to progress to be better. I struggle to do that in the moment. So today we had a little thing, right? And I had to go upstairs and I had to sit down several times and write it out and get to a point where I could understand that the criticism was of my behavior, not of me as a person. It's going to take a lot of work, but that's what you asked me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it was uh, we can share a little bit about how, <sighs> how, it, would, how it all went down. Right. Because it wasn't so much a criticism as much as it was just an observation. You know, we're we're a partnership here. And I wasn't being critical of you just kind of observing human nature. Right. Sometimes we're riding highs or riding lows. Right. right. So we're, we're either way, you know, and I have I, this. Happens to me as well, right? When you something great happens, mm-hmm. and you're up on this high, and you're way too high, right? Yeah, you know, and you're just when you're that high up, is it's just going to lead to an emotional crash. Right, everyone understands that, right? You can't be so high that that you know. Yeah. The only other way is down. Is down. Exactly. So you're headed for <laughs> You need for crash. room
1: to be able to go up a little.
0: Exactly. You need to be able to be grounded. And we talk about this. We talk about being grounded and not being too high, not being too low. Right. Trying to find that middle ground. And okay. I, I, I so what this, happened? I say this to you all the time. Like life happens in the gray. It's never black and white. Everything is gray. <sighs> and that happens with emotions too, right? So so yeah. So you were riding kind of an emotional high. And you know, I wasn't trying to be a wet blank, but I said, "Hey, honey, <laughs> you know, um, you know, your energy's a little high, and you took that completely the wrong way. Like I was, you know, trying to bring you down. I, I'm not sure. I'm putting words in your mouth, I guess.
1: Well, why don't you say what you said, and I'll say what I felt.
0: Well, that that is what I said. <laughs> I said, I said, yeah. hey, honey, you, you're, you know, you're a little bit too high. Your energy seems to be a little bit too yeah. high. You know, again, you know, maybe my choice of words." could have been better literally that's what i said (laughs) so i don't know how i could have chosen better words and i will i I will own that you know maybe my tone might have been you know not where it needed to be but irregardless that's that's what i said and what i what i probably should have uh further explained was what what i just said right yeah I don't, I don't want, want you, to, you to crash. Honey. Exactly. And I, I probably
1: would be like, oh, <laughs> I, I
0: want you to be even keeled, And, you know, and, and I'm not even killed, but, just, you know, just have a. Yeah. Just I ground think, yourself a I little bit. I think you
1: struggle and I'm and I'm, not in this. I think your delivery is, is the toughest. I think, you know, you just say what needs to be said. You don't take the the time and not out of malice or anything, but to be like, hmm, I know sometimes you do. You know, you are you just say what has to be said. You don't, you know, dance around circles. You don't cut around the bushes. You don't take the edges off so that it's not her fault. You just say what has to be said. And in retrospect, you weren't, you know, being a jerk. It was just that I automatically went down real fast. So I went from one extreme to the next.
0: To the next extreme. And that led to, you know, an argument that ensued because you know, the way you perceived what I was saying or the reaction that you got triggered me because it's like, I I didn't say anything wrong. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with what I said or how I said it in my perception. And then, but then you gave me a little bit of an attitude Mm. because I could see that you were upset that I had said anything. And then that kind of led to yeah. a, a further, yeah. you know, altercation. <laughs> no, I don't just, even say altercation. I think just it an was argument. just,
1: yeah, an argument.
0: But here we are, right? And we we uh-huh. were able to get through it. You know, we apologized for each of our parts, and you know, said you know we could be better at this. Yeah,
1: we could do better.
0: Exactly. So you know, we kind of went off target here with the whole. Well, I don't say we thing. we
1: went off target because that not being able to take criticism as a point as a part of codependency. And I did mention at the beginning of the podcast that you're never a hundred percent cured from being codependent. It's easy to relapse into old behaviors that you're so used to. So I think it was important that we actually mention that. Cause I gave a real world example of what we you know, you
0: Yeah, well at. I wanted to tie everything back and that's kind of why I said that, right? Because I wanted to tie everything back. I think how you felt or how you perceived the conversation Goes back to that codependency, right? I think you were riding a high, and because I wasn't riding this high with you, and I was kind of trying to level you off, you felt like I was bringing, like, either bringing you down or Mm -hmm. I wasn't sharing your high. And because, you know, a part of you still has that codependency, you saw that, and and that triggered you. I
1: misinterpreted it. Exactly.
0: That triggered you to, okay, you know, he's not valuing. What how I'm feeling right now, and and that might have been the cause for you know the aggravation that yeah. you felt, that in turn, you know aggravated me, and mm-hmm. then there we went.
1: Yeah, makes sense. No, it does. It makes a hundred percent sense. But I'm glad that we were able to kind of get to that point where it could be like, okay, and and I had to come to you more than once to try to figure it out, but. That's the whole purpose, I guess. You know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and beat myself up that, man, I should have picked up in it right then and there. You know, and, and, and that's my goal. But I'm not going to beat myself up over that because that's just stupid. I got to where I needed to get to. And I remember a point in my life where I couldn't even get there. So I know I'm progressing, although slowly, the slower I go at it, the less mistakes I'm going to make and the more longitude of time in between these breakdowns I'm going to see. I mean, that's ultimately my goal. Not to be perfect, but to progress towards a better version of myself.
0: So now I'm going to throw a wrench into this whole mix, right? Oh so, God! No, I'm why just, do you have to
1: throw wrenches?
0: Uh, so here we are having this discussion. I want you, because you know, for the betterment of myself and the betterment of our <sighs> listeners. Okay. I want you to give me advice on how to deal with someone that's codependent.
1: Ah, see, that's that's tough because I felt like I've been trying to do that our whole relationship. <laughs> just kidding. Dealing with someone that's codependent, it's not easy, okay? You have to understand where that comes from, why they're acting the way that they're acting, and figure out what their fears are, okay? When you know what their fears are, which you know what my fears were at some points, then you can have a plan of attack for, okay, clearly she struggles with when I give criticism because she thinks that it has to do with her and with her as a person, Now, as annoying as this is, and I don't want to have to do this repeatedly, I do need her to know right off the bat she'll be less defensive if I can say, hey, this doesn't have anything to do with you and your value. You're a little too high right now, and I really like, you know, whatever, but you're going to end up crashing. You know what happens when you emotionally crash. I'm just looking out for you. I think it's how you preface things. You know, like it's like a disclaimer. It's a trigger warning. For someone who has a traumatic trauma history, trigger warnings, disclaimers, Little PSAs up front really help set the tone. They can get off guard and they're more willing to hear where you're coming from.
0: Well, that's great information. <laughs> <laughs> I it will take that under consideration. I'm going to be honest <laughs>
1: with you. There's been a handful of times you've done that and I've thanked you for it.
0: Full disclosure, we we, we have our times, right? There's times yeah. that we're a lot more tolerant of each other, right? right. And there's certain times where like, I'm getting into like, an anxiety episode or a depressive episode. We cycle. And yeah, we're in the. We're in, but when we're in the, the middle of those cycles, it's, it becomes a lot more difficult to recognize those mm-hmm. little things that we that we can do to help each other, you know, find our way. Where does codependency come from? Like, where does it originate? And I think it's important to talk to our listeners about, you know, again, you, you might identify that you're codependent mm-hmm. now. Understanding where that comes from is important as well to recognize and to, and to improve. So talk a little bit That's about that. That's a
1: great question. So twofold here. Make sure you keep me on track, okay? So codependency more often than not is a response to trauma in childhood. What do you know, <laughs> right? So when your emotional needs as a child aren't meant, your psychological needs as a child aren't meant, and now this didn't necessarily happen with you. You, know, you kind of went the other way. But for the most part, What happens is, is that you learn to find those empty things within yourself and fill them other to have other people fill them. Now, this is where you can see some addiction, how some people fill the holes in themselves. Okay, so codependency can look different, but typically it manifests in childhood and it comes from not having the emotional and psychological needs met. We're not talking about basic necessities of food, you know, toys and trips and stuff like this. We're talking about validation of your thoughts asking you how your day went, having someone sit and spend time with you and be interested in the things that you want to be and places that you're going to go, there's no self-worth then you feel like why am I even here? That's where you start to see it manifest and that's where for me I could trace it back to. But, I had some lady say to me today, "I'm codependent and I had a perfect childhood." That was a red flag for me because no one's childhood is perfect and she couldn't remember anything before the age of 8. So I, I'm going to sit here and say codependency happens in childhood.
0: So I wonder if that particular person is, was really suppressing some some memories because that happens. And and I'm glad you kind of brought my situation up a little bit because that moved. Yeah, because I
1: want you to speak to that.
0: Well, I, I want to kind of move the, because I don't deal with codependency, of course, but I have. Not
1: at all.
0: <laughs> but I have. Thank you know,
1: God, because we'd be codependent on each other, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe we are but <laughs> she's looking what? at it. yeah uh no well we dealt with a lot of i don't want to say a lot of similar traumas because that's that wouldn't be accurate but the we f- we both felt the need or or the lack of love you know as yeah. as children mm-hmm. right i think you you know you, even though you had you had issues with your mom i think your mom for the most part was was a loving person she was because the memories that you share with me it seems that she was a very loving person my mother, you know, again, and not to discount that, my mother was very affectionate. Can't say she was loving, <laughs> but she was a very affectionate, physically
1: affectionate, like hugs, phys- kisses. Exactly,
0: physically affectionate. But again, as we talked to about in the in the prior episode, right? I think she struggles with narcissism. Yeah, I, I think she's classic. And it was, you know, I think a lot of the reasons why uh, she showed that was was to get a response from us, mm-hmm. right? To fill her own need. Um, not so much. It was
1: self-fulfilling.
0: Exactly. Not so much to give us affection, but to have her need for affection mm-hmm. filled. Question so,
1: for you: Can I ask you a question? Was she absolutely. more physically affect uh, affectionate in front of lots of people, or even behind closed doors?
0: No, it was. It was definitely behind closed doors. She was never. Okay. She was never physically affectionate towards us in front of people. in front of anyone. Okay. It was always when we were all by ourselves, or you know, me and my brother. But again, I like I said, I think it was more of a result of her feeling her own mm-hmm. need for affection. You like know? By,
1: by giving you affection, she was somehow receiving it back and fulfilling a void within herself.
0: Exactly. exactly. So you
1: know what I wonder? I think, I don't want to take this over because you're, mis- you're, you're kind of, you were going in a direction. So you had said that it was interesting that I brought up you because we had some of the similar issues. How come I became codependent and you didn't?
0: Well, that's kind of what I was going to bring up, right? I think what I, I think we dealt with the same, kind of the same issues there, right? I don't want to say lack of connection because that's more what I dealt with. I, la- yeah. I I dealt with more lack of connection. But I guess, I think we just dealt with that, tra- the type of trauma differently. differently. So not to go away from codependency, but we're we're kind of moving into, if you if we're talking about me, mm-hmm. I'm on the opposite end of codependency, right? So- what I did was I built walls. Right. So we can we we'll probably use this as a as a segue. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, a jumping board into like a, a the, our next topic, which is boundaries, right? You know, healthy and unhealthy boundaries. And what I ended up establishing was unhealthy boundaries, right? So I put up walls. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anyone to be near me or close to me or or get too close to me because of the sense. Fear of rejection. Exactly. Well, fear of loss. Because, again, if we go back to my childhood, you know, single parent home, father was in and out for the most part. But I I always felt alone, a sense of aloneness, right? Because my mother was never really around. And when she was, even when she was around, she was either dealing with some type of depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. or, 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 you know, narcissist behavior. So I felt emotionally isolated. So... You know again never felt any connection and they goes this goes back to and even and it even goes further like infanthood right because when, when i when i was born just so the, the listeners kind of get a perspective my mother was single parent at that point right again uh not in a healthy relationship with my father so when she had to go to work and my father wasn't in the picture there was, you know, no real uh, healthy daycare because I can go into other stories. Oh, yeah.
1: No, not today. <laughs> we, won't, we
0: won't go into those, right? But she would she would send me to, to live with my grandmother. My grandmother is from Peru, South America. So, you know, my mother was in Massachusetts at the time. So she would send me to to Peru. So my grandmother would take care of me. I, I don't know when this started, probably before the age of, of, of one or two or whatever. But she would send me there, and then, you know, it'd probably be three to six months. I would be with my grandmother. And then my mother would miss me, and she'd come back and, and pick and, and grab me and, yeah. you know, pick me up, bring, bring me back to the States with her. She would take care of me for a couple months and then find out that, again, it was too much for her to, 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 to deal with a, an infant and, and, ha- and, and work and, and do what she needed to do. So she would send me back. So this happened back and forth you know, for the f- next couple years. Couple months here, couple months there. So I don't think I ever established a bond with anyone. You know, I think it started there.
1: Yeah, I'd call that reactive attachment disorder. So these walls that you put up were just that.
0: Exactly. So that I think... I think, And I
1: think that manifests more in men than in women.
0: And I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up because there's something that did come to mind when you were talking about codependency. I'm sure there are males that are codependent. Yeah, there um, are you know, women are fully capable of building walls just like men are. Yeah, Men are fully capable of being codependent just like women are. Either one of these scenarios doesn't isn't gender specific in any no, way. No,
1: absolutely not. I think what's important is, are, are we on the boundaries now?
0: Yeah, we're okay. talking about boundaries. So
1: people always ask me, you know, some lady asked me today, what is a boundary? And I explained to her that it's it's literally a form of self-care. It's this imaginary line between you and another person. And I think it's really important to establish that boundaries teach other people how to treat us. Well said. Yeah. I just wanted to get that defini- definition out there in case anybody was like, okay, but what is a boundary? That's the boundary. It's what separates you from somebody else.
0: Okay. We'll expand on that a little bit. Well, I mean, you're- well, So what's a health, let's talk about what a healthy boundary is and a non-healthy boundary.
1: Well, it's funny because healthy boundaries is like a subtopic when it comes to co- you know, codependency. Healthy boundaries is being able to protect your own thoughts and emotions and feelings from another human being, right? Because if everything everybody says hurts your feelings, then you're going to be a wreck. If every piece of criticism you get dictates your value, you're going to be a wreck. So having healthy boundaries, one of the things is not allowing the opinions of other people affect and dictate who you are. So having the knowledge, having that invisible line of, okay, that's just their opinion Maybe there's some fact to what they're saying. However, at the end of the day, I still think I'm a great person and I'm going to work on X, Y, and Z. It's really that mental note of, I'm not going to let that tear me down. I think that's really important because that's where a lot of people struggle. And that's where they find themselves in unhealthy you know, situations.
0: And just to piggyback on that, so an unhealthy boundary, as, yep. <laughs> as we established with, with me, right, is 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 the direct opposite of that, right? So you put up a wall and you don't really care to let anyone in for fear that you're and it's and it's a
1: boundary for sure i mean this isn't an an invisible line with you guys it's a brick wall and it's like you said it's it's still unhealthy so it's the balance between you should have not a brick wall and you shouldn't have no wall at all there should be some type of a little what would you call it a swinging gate (laughs) where's something in the middle
0: I don't know uh, a fence <laughs> I
1: know I, yeah maybe a gate with a, a swinging gate you know one where you can stand see what's on the other side and you decide what you're gonna let in yeah you're gonna that, decide what you're gonna let out
0: yeah I think that's like <laughs> no you're right I think that's a great analogy you know you, you should have something where you can kind yeah. of ass- look through assess yeah and be
1: like what is and this and then at
0: that point make a decision is all right I'm gonna let this person in or mm-hmm. I'm not gonna let this person in because you know or what to what extent are you yeah. going to let that the- person in
1: yeah, exactly. I go I, I agree with that. Did you ask me what were some signs of, of boundary issues? Because one didn't, just kinda popped in my I, head.
0: I d I, I didn't ask that, but go ahead.
1: Easily attaching to another human being very, very quickly. Like stage five clinger or falling in love really, you know, very soon in a relationship, trusting a brand new person you just met as a friend. Oh, hello, my name is Courtney, and I had struggled with that seriously in the past. That's another thing to look at is boundaries. Like, there's no way you can know someone that well to give all of yourself that time. You need to start people at zero. I used to start people at 150. You guys haven't meet someone right off the bat, and until they prove me wrong, I'm going to give them all my trust. Now, you need to start somebody off at zero, and they need to earn their trust. It takes time to know somebody. It takes time to truly Grow in love. There's no such thing as falling in love. Growing in love. That was, that's a big thing I had to learn. Just wanted to throw that out there.
0: No, I think that fits perfectly with the codependency. Yeah. So people that are codependent need these healthy boundaries. And they need to establish those. And, you know, healthy boundaries are essential for any interaction. Any and, and
1: not just relationships. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's kind of my point that I was wanted to make is that it not, and it's not only for like relationships, like sexual relationships, but it's the relationship you have with your parents or, mm-hmm. you know, your, your siblings uh, or anyone that you come across. You have to have these healthy boundaries because this is a saying that I always tell you and, I, and you're looking at me like, I oh, know
1: where you're going with that. Oh, yeah.
0: People are people, right?
1: I had such a hard time with that. I said that today to someone else, and they were like, "That's not cool." I was like, "No, it's true." Continue with that, but
0: no, go ahead. Uh, you can. Oh, oh no, you, I, you know, you know how I feel about it. That's no,
1: you had kind of my I saying. don't want to interject, but you know, you do always tell me that. that no, people, absolutely
0: interject. Oh, I, that, want, I want uh, you to. <laughs> that
1: people are people. And how having these poor boundaries can lead to toxicity, you know, in relationships. And I'm not going to get too much into that. But some guy literally said, well, how dare you say that people are my grandmother. And I was like, I don't care if it's your grandma, the Pope. My husband taught me when you remove the title from someone's name or their position that they're in your life just because they happen to be blood related. And you just look at that person. I remember you saying to me, honey asked yourself, would you be friends with that person? I was like, hell no. And you're like, okay. So, and I was like, oh, okay. Literally remove anything and just look at that person as a person. If you want to take advice from them, you sure as hell shouldn't take criticism from them. And if you want to want to be friends with them, then you've answered your own question.
0: I know. And that's good advice. That's the toughest thing is right. Coming to the realization that people are people from, in my case, is just seeing my mother for who she was. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, defining her as a narcissist, that's one thing, but just seeing her as a person, and not as my mother, was a key fork in the road for me. Yeah. to to start moving in the direction of you know leaving that those those toxic relationships, understanding that hey, she had her own traumas and she had her own uh, issues that she was going through. She's just a person, just like anyone else. And it's like I told you, it's it's important to see these people. And I'm again not saying that you abandon your relationships with your with your family members. No unless they're toxic, right? and you know, we'll, we'll get into that at, a, at a, in a, maybe in a different episode, but, but just understanding, seeing them as, as just people and not hiding.
1: Yeah, well, when you can start seeing them as people, you can kind of make a better decision as to how you're gonna respond to them. When you start seeing someone as just a person versus, oh, that's my uncle, so I have to take everything he says because everybody says he's full of wisdom and blah, 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 blah. But when you can get to a point where you're like, yeah, that's just him, And I don't really agree with everything. And you can kind of just let it roll off your shoulders. Those are boundaries that you establish with that person. That's who he is. I don't agree with it. I don't have to engage with it. No, I don't have to agree with anything he says is what it is. You remove the guilt. You remove the shame and you remove this. What did you used to call it, honey? When you have a, not an an unhealthy, not an attachment, but like a responsibility to somebody. You used to tell me like um, a false sense of loyalty or something like that, you used to say. You can remove that. Yeah. Skewed sense of loyalty.
0: A skewed sense of attachment, yeah. I guess, is the is what would be the term. It escapes me at the moment, but I know we've had that conversation. Yeah, No,
1: but I know that it's like when, like you said, when you can remove like, okay, this person's just this person and stuff, it removes that, like you said, that sense of, oh, you know. Well,
0: it's important to do that in any, especially when you're dealing with any type of trauma, right? It's important to do that because you, you can't ever overcome that trauma until you start seeing the people for what they are, because that's the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, because if, if you can't disassociate your parent or, or the person that caused the trauma, again, it doesn't have to be your parent. But it could be like a priest, someone in power, right? If you if you put them on this pedestal, and this is something we've we I've dealt with. I was going to say right?
1: this sounds familiar. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so if you put someone on a pedestal and you see them up up high, they that they're untouchable, then you can't ever get to that point. Potentially, that's the people that are actually doing the harm to you, mm-hmm. right? Causing the trauma. But it's it's bringing them down to eye level and seeing them for who they are.
1: I remember this very distinctly. Now this was about a stepfather. You had said, um, I don't know why you're praising this man. He legit did the absolute bare minimum for you. And I was like, what? And I got so defensive hearing that because, again, I felt like that was a reflection of my own, of me for whatever reason. But when I just started to look at him as a person, I had forgiveness. You know, I let things go. But I was able to heal a little bit and realize that, you know, you were right. You know, did the bare minimum for me and reminded me of it. So, you know, time to get off that pedestal. And that was, I think I had a hard time with that, if I can remember.
0: That was it, right? It was just bringing him down to to eye level. (laughs) And I say that, that's an inside joke. But being able to, to, you know, to see him as just a person, right? With imperfections and flaws. And he wasn't your stepfather that took care of you anymore. He was just a guy that, you know, okay. Well, he did do that and he did do that, but you know But any, he
1: didn't do this. Any and- any
0: yeah, you put any guy in that role and maybe they would have done the same. Right? So that's what's important, right? It's important to not to beat a dead horse <laughs> but people are people. Yep. And seeing people as people, not as these, you know
1: roles, if you will. Yeah. These characters that they play in your these
0: life. Elevated roles in our life. It it really helps you to understand a lot of the times why you know, the, these things happened and mm-hmm. then helps you to, to grow and move exactly. forward, move, yep. move past these things.
1: No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that.
0: All right. So we talked a lot about codependency and, and walls and boundaries. And, and what else do you want to elaborate on?
1: Well, I'm not really sure what we wanted to elaborate on.
0: So did you want to start talking about like what other topics we can expect? I know we're going to go back to narcissism. I'm still excited about that. Yeah, I know that um,
1: a couple people reached out to me and and really wanted us to go into narcissistic parents because right now a lot of the work that I'm talking about is that narcissistic partner. But some lady said to me, is it possible to have been raised by a narcissistic parent and then find myself in a narcissistic relationship? Well, yes, absolutely. So. I definitely would like to touch upon narcissism in childhood, but more so what a parent would look like and how that affects a young child into adulthood.
0: Yeah, I think Well, what's important is we, we did talk a lot about like defining and, and the traits. Like I said before, I want to talk about like dealing with the trauma that can bring on and working through that. I think that's important.
1: Yeah. How to identify what is a result of and what you can do now that you're aware and how do you start working towards like you said kind of putting the pieces together because it's all fine and dandy most people know like I had a narcissist well not really some people's eyes are opening like their parents are narcissistic but now what do you do with all of that? I think that's important like you said
0: exactly what
1: do I do with this hot mess of a life that I have right now?
0: (laughs) Yeah so on that note then I think we'll just start wrapping things up Yeah Till
1: next time Uh, Yeah
0: We'll uh You Let them know how to reach you Oh yeah I'm just sitting
1: here like Okay So you can If you aren't following me already You can come on TikTok It's ask.courtney Instagram is askcourtney underscore Or if you're on Facebook And you're just looking for Like a positive environment You know family oriented You can find it It takes the village And it's the little emblem It's a little house So you'll see And Um, stop in and say hi
0: You'll only find me here And that's only (laughs) until She decides to kick me out So
1: Well, I'm not going to kick him out. I think he's got a great uh, perspective, and I think he's going to be a huge helping factor on some of our next upcoming podcasts. So So, stay tuned.
0: So as always, guys, uh, we're all in this together. Oh, and if you want to
1: email us, if you have a story you want to tell or a question, podcast at com.
0: Way to cut me off while I'm trying to say goodbye. Sorry about that. That's all right. Maybe
1: I just don't want to hear you say goodbye.
0: Till next time, guys.